Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. You know, we've been talking about unity and um, really going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, I'm going to have you turn this down just a little bit because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to shouting here probably. Don't want to blow anything out. But we've been talking about Ephesians, the, going through the book line by line really, and it's, it's, this is week 12 <laughs> with no end in sight. Um, I hope that's okay. I just, I just feel like there's something about this book for our church this year. And, um, you know, 12 weeks is a quarter, that's three months, that's a quarter of the year. That's 25% of 2023 we've been preaching in the book of Ephesians. And it may get to where we're 50% of the year talking in the book of Ephesians. I hope that's okay, because we need it. And sometimes it's easy to, you know, kind of gloss over things as we try to go from topic to topic. But um, this has helped me grow so much in this area and just in my thinking. But we we started with the unity or the beginning of unity, which is, uh, you know, getting your life right with Christ. That was, we spent weeks on that, um, really staying unified with Jesus, being plugged into the vine of Jesus Christ. And and, and remaining plugged into that vine. Then we got into recently the unity in the body of Christ. And the unity in the body of Christ is a whole other topic. And this is what we've kind of covered so far. Um, we have all the same issue. It's a sin issue. We all need God's answer. His name is Jesus. We are all offered the same privilege. Why, why, how, does that, how is that re- in reference to unity? We all are the same. And so why do we look at each other and argue and fight and have divisions and bicker and and let factions be created among us? We all have the same issue, right? We can relate to one another is what I'm saying. We all need God's answer, who is Jesus. We are all offered the same privilege. We're the privilege of being family and being in the body of Christ. We are all called, all of us are called to do something for Jesus. There's not one person in here who who shouldn't consider themselves a minister, and minister means servant. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a minister. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth, and we don't think about that that way all the time. Um, we're supposed to walk in humility, stay in t- united with the, in the spirit. Th- these are all things that Paul kind of goes over, and they all kind of get back to the subject of unity, I think. Um, and today we're going to get into the five-fold ministry leadership gifts, which are listed in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to jump right into the scripture today, 4, verse 11 through 16. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. He gave to the church. These are the gifts he gave to the church, right? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. In fact, let's go back. We're going we're to read verse 14 again. I want you all to stand up. Let's read this together. We'll do a little liturgy this morning. We'll read scripture together as a church. Let's, let's read, start with verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. 
We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Keep reading with me. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's awesome. You can be seated. So I want to break this down a little bit. Christ has given leadership gifts to his church. And these ministry gifts are specific God-given abilities and roles that provide spiritual leadership and ministry for God's people in the church. And so I want to start by just so you can remember these five things that were listed in chapter 11. We're going to do this hand analogy. Maybe you've heard this before, but it's very simple. You've got the apostle, which is your thumb, right? Everybody hold up your hand and go, the apostle, right there, the thumb. And you can remember that because it's the strong one. The apostle is a strong, I mean, strong personality, strong in, in character, strong in, in just, they're just solid as a rock. They're immovable, Okay. Then you have the prophet. It's the pointer finger. And you have the evangelist. He stands out, preaches awesome messages. Nobody ever says that he gets to preach the same message every week for like a year and polish it up. But he has a message for the whole church, right? And so he preaches the same one over and over. And he stands out because it's powerful and it's good. And sometimes evangelists say things and you want to show him that finger, but we're not going to talk about that. You always remember that, won't you? And then you have the pastor, which is the ring finger, because he loves the people. He loves them. And then you have the teacher, it's the pinky, because it's the only one that fits in your ear, right? <laughs> so that's a great way to remember this five-fold ministry gifts, leadership gifts that are given to the church, right? You won't forget that, I don't think. And, and I, I just need to say this. This is a difficult thing to try to muddle through because as I studied this, and, and um, it just becomes a difficult message. Not difficult to say it, but diff difficult to communicate it in a way that helps you understand. And, and that's what, what happens when you go through books of the Bible like we're going through Ephesians. It forces me to teach and preach on things that take more work and study. It's not easier, it's harder. And, and I can, I, you know, as a pastor, you can skip over things if you want as you're doing different sermons here and there and everywhere and you don't ever have to hit. But when you go through a book like this, you're kind of forced. And um, I, hope, I hope you're all right with that. I, I, I'm all right with that. It just, it's difficult. And I just, want, I just want you to know how difficult it is. The other thing that's nice about that is when I, when I speak on something that's in line with with line by line in the scripture, you can't blame me for calling you out because it's just the next thing I have to preach, right? So it has benefits too. So you have to understand that this, is, this has kind of been a difficult scripture just in the church in general because there are a lot of differing opinions to what Ephesians 4.11 is really saying. And I'm talking the church as a whole, um, the big C church. There have, there have been... A, even been some divisions and factions that have been the result of those differences, denominations that have formed because of those differences and how they view the scripture. 
And um, some believe that this list of five should be looked at as if they are offices or positions to be held. As in the church has a pastor on staff, so why don't they have a prophet on staff? And we recognize evangelists and their ministries, don't we? But when's the last time you heard of a church bringing in an apostle to preach? You see what I'm saying? This is hard. And you could go even further than that. If you have a prophet and a pastor on staff, who gets to make the final call? I mean, the pastor loves the people, but the prophet's the voice of uh, the, the mouthpiece of God in, in, or speaks words of truth from God, right, to, to, to everybody. So, well, although the prophet would be in charge. Well, should he? What if he's wrong? Because he's human. In the Old Testament, we would stone him. What do we do in the New Testament? It gets very difficult. You see what I'm saying? How, how, do you, how, do you, how does this flesh out? And we, uh, we tend to recognize the pastor and the evangelist and the biblical teacher generally as, as a church, as, as the, the big C church. And then we don't really know what to do with the prophet or the apostle who are, by the way, in the same list. You understand why this is difficult? Are, are you seeing that a little bit? But, but let me suggest that this list is, is a list of anointed giftings rather than positions to be held or offices to be filled within the church. These are giftings. And these giftings are given to those in, the, in, in church leadership. God equips the church with leaders who have been gifted in these areas. And maybe some of the confusion comes because we, we always call the leader of a church what? We always call them a what? Pastor, right. Which, which isn't wrong by any means. It's just that when we read this list and we see that word pastor, it's in that list, right? That the word pastor, we think instantly position instead of anointing gifting. Pastor is culturally accepted, is a culturally accepted term as a job description too. Like, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pastor. But as a gifting, it's much more than that. The word pastor here means shepherd. In the original Greek, it's poimen. Everybody say poimen. Poimain, that's a Greek word, that's the original word it was written, and it's translated to the word pastor. It's a shepherd, it means a shepherd, a caregiver, one who watches over and even defends the flock. And let me add this, they're gifted to do it. It's a gifting, not a position necessarily. Not just a position to be interviewed for, and, or like, I'm gonna make a career choice and be a pastor. There's a gifting involved here. So, so and I'm, that's just one example. So let's look at this list as anointed gifts given to ministry leadership, not merely as positions to be held in the church, even though these gifts in, in individuals may translate into a position. I, am I making any sense? It's, it's a hard thing to kind of follow. I, and maybe I, I just need to tell you my story a little bit, and some of you know it, my testimony. After I'd come to Christ in college, my life really turned upside down. It just, I just went, I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. And so um, go big or go home kind of thing, right? Anybody with me on that? And when, when I really landed in the faith, I was like, man, I'm gonna win the world for Jesus. I'm just gonna, nothing else matters. Almost to an extreme. And um, my wife even said, her, I think I was waiting on uh, them. I was a waiter at a restaurant and I was, it was at the, Crunchy kitten, I mean the country kitchen. And um, I, was, uh, I was waiting there, and 
on her and her family, and I kind of knew her family. I kind of knew her, but not really. They just knew of me sort of thing. And her mom said, why don't you date a guy like that? And she said, Mom, he's such a Jesus freak. So. <laughs> and I kind of was. And, and maybe even a little too much in some ways. But if, if, if there is such a thing, don't know if there is. Um, but anyway, I, I got so excited about sharing Christ that that's all I did. In fact, I started working with Campus Crusade for Christ and, and meeting with people and, and sharing my faith. And I, I got really an education in debate. I never was a, in debate in school, but I, I found myself debating Muslims and Buddhists and Jehovah Witnesses and all sorts of different religions and, and defending the faith as I was witnessing to these people. And um, it just began to overtake my life and to the point where my grades started to slip. All you teachers probably look down at me a little bit for this, but that's okay. My grades started to slip. I just didn't care about music school. I just didn't care. I only cared about people coming to Christ. Good or bad, bad witness, that's just what it was. I spent so much time that I didn't even do my homework sometimes. And then I had an opportunity to be part of a Christian band that did outreach-type concerts and preached to teenagers all over, so I dropped out of school. Yes, I'm a music school dropout. And I started playing in this band and working full-time and preaching whenever I could uh, at these concerts, and I, I, it was just all about reaching people. I ended up volunteering at, at the local Assembly of God Church, working with the youth, because um, during those band years, I, I just developed a heart for youth. And I had no idea what I was doing when I did that. But I wanted to make a difference in the kingdom. That's all I cared about. I never really even gave much thought to being a youth pastor. My, my pastor began to ask me if I felt I was called to ministry. I, I didn't even know what that meant necessarily. But as time went on, I felt a pull. It's all I wanted to do was minister. And I worked at a gas station doing oil changes and some engine repair work. I worked as a cook. I worked as an electrician. All of it was just to get a paycheck so I could spend my free time ministering. I got married to Alyssa, and she was ministry-minded and loved being a part of the church as much as I did. She became a Jesus freak somehow, some way, and, and so we were very compatible then. And then I, I, I really had no reference point, again, to what ministry meant as a vocation, as a job, as a career choice, but I wasn't thinking that way. I never thought of myself as a pastor. And then, um, in fact, I used to think pastors were so like up here on a pedestal, right? They're on this, they're so spiritual, they're so amazing. I, I could never put myself on the level of those praying men and, and men who knew the word so well. And then Pastor Larry Metz, he, he he was my pastor at the time. He recognized, he started recognizing a calling in me before I, again, before I even knew what it was. Alyssa's brothers, who are godly men, began to speak into my life. They recognized a calling in me and helped me navigate what that meant, kind of on a, on a more of a, more of a easy way for me to understand. My mom and dad reminded me as, that I, as a, as a kid, would tell people I was going to be a priest when I was four, three and four years old, they tell everybody I was going to be a priest when I got older. Um, I, I didn't become a priest because I'm not Catholic anymore, but um, I liked girls so much I wanted to be married, so, you know. <laughs> it's not the only reason, but hey, it's a, it's a reason. 
And even at camp one time, as, as I was taking kids to camp, as volunteering as youth, there was this pastor from Brandon, South Dakota, named Kurt Strand, and he came up to me, and he's kind of blunt, and he's kind of gruff, and he just said, he said to me, gruff in a good way, and he said to me, uh, are you a youth pastor? And I said, no, not really. And he goes, why not? What are you waiting for? And that was kind of an interesting point in my life, too, but all these people were began to speak and recognize something in me, which I was like, I don't even know what this is. And then I was in prayer one morning, and the Holy Spirit overwhelmed me with the assurance that I could and even was supposed to be a pastor. I didn't ever pursue a position of ministry. I, I, ministry just sort of caught up with me and overtook my life in a way that was so gentle. I remember one of Alyssa's brothers saying to me, um, if you can't help but minister no matter what you're doing, you probably need to be a pastor or go into full-time ministry. And so when I was an electrician, I was talking to guys in the job site. When I was a cook, I was witnessing to people. You know, funny side story, you have to take me out to, to suffer some time to get the, the rest of the story. But there was, there was restaurants I worked at where I was witnessing to um, Alyssa's boyfriends that we had never met before. Um, that's interesting to take me out to supper. I'd love to tell you that story. But, um, <laughs> and it happened more than once. It happened twice. Two different times I was witnessing to her boyfriends before I ever met her. She had a lot of boyfriends, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, you didn't. But I remember when the Holy Spirit overwhelmed me and assured me that this is what I was supposed to do. And uh, it was so gentle, the way he spoke to me. It was a Thursday morning, I was in prayer um, at, at the church in South Dakota. I was right down front over here. They had like a little kneeler bench. I was at the kneeler, kind of in the middle of the kneeler, and, and I was just overwhelmed, and I couldn't hardly move. And of course, I've been in school ever since, learning, making a lot of mistakes, and just experiencing so many different things within the church. And I share this this morning for one reason. There are those of you in the congregation today that are called to vocational ministry. Don't be afraid of it. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading and trust him to guide you into that sweet spot of his will. He will gift you with the leadership ministry gifts you need to do what you are called to do. You don't have to worry about that. In fact, you already have these gifts because God created you for this purpose. I feel like I'm prophesying right now to somebody. Just don't let fear get in the way of you doing what you are called to do. God isn't going to gift you with position. The leadership gifts go much deeper than that. And if that's for you today, for you today, I, I want you to hear it. I was up at 3.30 this morning, and I added this to my sermon because I knew someone was here this morning who needs to hear this. And I don't get up at 3.30 for anybody. Except the Holy Spirit. Again, this scripture can be difficult. Verse 13 says that Christ will continue to give these leadership gifts to the church until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up fully to Christ's standard. Did you hear that? I mean, that is a mouthful. Let me read it to you again. Ephesians 
13, chapter 4, verse 13. This will continue. God pouring out his ministry gifts in his church. Leadership, ministry gifts. This will continue until all come to such unity in the body of Christ, that we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard, full and complete standard of Christ. How are not these ministry gifts, these leadership ministry gifts, how are they not all about unity? That is exactly what they're for. God has given them to the church so that we could become unified. And he'll keep giving them. He'll keep giving them. He'll keep giving them until we become so unified that he could call us mature and we live up to the full measure of Christ. I mean, think about that. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. And it's ironic because one of the very things that is supposed to bring unity, all these gifts given to the church, actually has created some division in the body of Christ. Isn't it just like Satan to take the gifts that God has given and try to pervert their purpose as well as people's understanding of those gifts? It's what he does. God gives us gifts, he perverts them. Satan perverts them. He gives us the gift of music, which we got to experience this morning with worship and praise and, and singing. God gave us music. And you know, Satan loves to pervert music. Marriage. What a gift. And we know Satan has perverted that. I could go on and on with that. These are gifts that, that God gives, and yet the devil has gotten in there and perverted them. And get people and, and even help, even causes people to misunderstand those gifts. And, and people who won't walk in their gifts because of the connotations that surround the position. And I'm getting back to, to maybe you have a calling or or maybe someone has a calling that you know of, but they won't walk in those gifts and callings because of the connotation that surrounds the position. There, and let, let me explain. There are people who, who cause problems in churches. Did you know that? How many have ever caused problems in a church? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you have seen somebody cause problems in church? There are people who cause problems in churches that should have been vocational pastors. I have this theory, I've told Pastor Jared, I've told Pastor Donnie this before, but I think a lot of people that cause trouble in churches miss their, miss their uh, calling. They, they're miserable because they're not doing what God's called them to do, and so they just go to church because that's what they're supposed to do, and then they cause problems. It's a theory. And maybe some people refused the call or just didn't want to do that kind of work based off of what they heard. It's so hard. You know how many times I have, I have people say, have people say to me, I can't, I, I would never do what you do. They couldn't pay me enough to do what you do. Oh my gosh, you have such a hard job. I don't know how you do what you do. God equips the called. I think it's an honor and a privilege. Maybe sometimes we talk about how hard it is all the time. You know what? Everybody's job is hard on some levels. There are also those in the church who won't recognize the authority that God gives spiritual leadership. You know, that makes people who are in leadership, it makes it very hard for them to carry out their calling. What's the point of serving in these roles of giftedness if nobody cares you have a role of leadership, giftedness in the church. 
Does that make sense? No? Maybe I need to say that one again. I think I will. There are those in the church who won't recognize the authority that God gives spiritual leadership. They won't recognize it. Why? Maybe because someone in spiritual authority burned them before. So they're done with spiritual work. You know, you know how many times I've heard, well, I'm not going to join organized religion. I don't need to be a part of organized religion because it's, it's, it's run by humans and humans make mistakes. Yep. I'm one of them humans. And I make mistakes. But should we throw out everything and say, well, we're not going to follow spiritual leadership then? So there's some that, that just won't. And again, this is probably due to leadership failing miserably in those roles. And they may be gifted with ministry leadership gifts, but there's no shortage of ministry leaders who have been defrocked and lost their ministries due to all sorts of sin. You see it on the news practically weekly. But that should not result in the body of Christ having a flippant or unsubmissive attitude toward those in leadership, right? So, so let me lay this all out. This is all kind of, I told Pastor Jared, I feel like I'm going to have a conversation with myself today when I preach this because it's, there's so many little caveats to this scripture and how it flushes out that you, you start trying to put it all together and you're like, oh my goodness, this is mind-boggling. I want to lay it out real quick. What, we, what, what I believe to be a kind of a balanced approach to the subject, I believe that God calls individuals to lead his church. Whether it's full-time vocational pastoring or bivocational ministry or even volunteers that, that might pastor, God calls people to be leaders within the church. And these leaders are people that are called and gifted to be leaders. I also believe that there are positions of leadership. Again, we refer to the individual who leads a church as a pastor but that doesn't mean that they can only possess the ministry leadership gift of pastor. They hold the position of pastor, but their ministry leadership gift may be more in the area of teacher. What if a, te what if a leader of a church, a, a pastor in the position of pastor, has the ministry leadership gift of an apostle? It happens. I believe that it happened in Indianola. The guy before me, Pastor Calloway, I can guarantee you, I never did a test on him, but if you were going to do a test on the fivefold ministry gifts, he would have come out very strong in apostle. He was an apostle who was a pastor. He was a pastor in position, but he had an apostolic anointing. You know how I know that? Because he never went anywhere for really over two, three years. And everywhere he went, he set the church straight, and the church grew while he was there, and it grew when he left. And he never made any friends while he was there, too many friends anyway. He had some friends. I'm not saying that, but you, you don't understand what I'm saying. How many knew Pastor Calloway? Larry, am I telling the truth? He was here twice. He came in the 70s, the year I was born, stayed here two years. And then he left and then he came back and he was here as his last pastor for eight years, which is amazing. That's amazing time for him because he, he didn't stay anywhere eight years, but this church loved him enough and let him, let him be that apostolic guy he was. And let, let me tell you what's so cool about that. We are a strong, healthy church today because he put some things in place that I was smart enough not to undo. That doesn't take much, right? Just common sense. He had an apostolic anointing, but he was in the role of a pastor. 
You see how this flushes out a little bit sometimes? It's different than what you might think. I also believe that vocational ministers can be assisted by those within the church who may not be vocational ministers, or they don't do that for their job. In other words, you may not be a paid pastor, but your pastor who is paid may lean on you and the ministry leadership gift that you have been given, and, and, and this is going to sound strange, but some of you in this congregation have the ministry leadership gift of pastoring even though you are not and may never be a pastor in position. Does that make sense? Nod to me if you're following me here this morning. Give me an amen if you're following me this morning. Okay, thank you. This gifting doesn't necessarily translate. Giftings don't translate into positions, although it can. That's what makes it kind of confusing. So I want to be completely transparent this morning. I've taken several tests to determine what my ministry leadership gift is. Um, I took one last week just to see where, if, where I'm at currently and if it lined up with where I've been in the past. And, and they were pretty consistent with how I've tested all throughout the years. And out of 100%, and, and I know I've talked a lot about my story and a little bit, maybe I'm talking too much about myself today, I don't want to do that, but I, I hope it helps you understand. Out of 100%, I am 22% evangelist in those giftings. I tested out as 21% apostle, 20% prophet, 19% teacher, and 18% pastor. So on that list, my pastor level is the lowest of everything. I'm about 20% of everything which is not necessarily abnormal, but it's not extremely common either. I'm pretty much an even mix of them, which means that in reference to my ministry leadership giftedness, you have a mutt for a pastor. <laughs> and on one hand, it's awesome because I believe I can relate to those leaders, no matter what their leadership ministry gift is, but on the other hand, I need lots of help because I'm not fully gifted in any one of those areas. So it, it comes with good and bad. It's just what it is. And some of that help can come in the way of hired staff who have ministry leadership gifts. And some of it will come from those who are gifted with ministry leadership gifts within the church. We're going to get into a study of, uh, next week. We're going to really hit every one of those roles and how it plays out in the church as we move through, but, but before we get into all that, it's important to realize that no matter how it fleshes out within a give, any given church, every one of these ministry gifts, these five-fold ministry gifts, has the same two functions or responsibilities attached to them. Maybe not functions, but responsibilities attached to them. Verse 11 names the gifts. We went over them, the hand, right? And then verse 12 tells us what the purpose, function, and responsibility is of those that possess those gifts. So, Ephesians 4.12a says this. The first part of that verse says, their responsibility, we already read it, is to equip God's people to do his work. What's the responsibility of someone with one of those leadership ministry gifts? To equip God's people to do his work. It's to equip God's people to do his work. It's actually to equip God's people to do his work. It's not just to do the work, it's to equip the body of Christ to do the work. Have I said it enough? And it's, I, I'm doing that on purpose, right? The word translated equip here, or some versions use the word complete or perfect, is from the Greek word guitar tamas, 
Gitartamas. It's the Greek word that we translate into the word equip here in this version anyway. And that word means complete furnishing, to render fit, sound or complete, to mend or repair to completion, to outfit, to put in order and equip, to arrange, adjust, prepare, or to frame up, to strengthen, perfect, to complete to the place where one is what he or she ought to be. That is the job of the leadership of the church, the leaders who have been gifted with leadership ministry gifts, the five, whatever combination they have of those five. They are given to them to outfit and equip the church to carry out our mission. They are, they are to put into order, they are to arrange, they are to adjust, they are to prepare and frame up the church in such a way that they render the church effective in her calling to build his kingdom until he returns. I, I think it's really important for church people to understand what the job of their leaders are. Yeah, they have a pastor, he's the person in, in, the, in the office who runs the church. We, we, we know that's culturally acceptable to call that a pastor. But he may have, or she may have, many different giftings. Or a combination of them. And that's okay. God tends to call the people that need to be called to certain places, right? And so, the job of church leadership is not to do, but to equip others to do. I, I'm just going to say this out loud. I, I don't know, Pastor Donnie's somewhere around here. He, 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 can, he, can, he can hear this. And, and My board, please hear this. Pastor Jared, please hear this. Um, I don't want to be the pastor or ministry leader of this church that just does. And I want you guys all to hold me accountable to that. Because my job, according to Scripture, is to equip others to do. You know what happens in a church where the pastor does everything. Burnout can happen, but when that pastor is gone, the church doesn't know what to do. And it's built on a personality and a person rather than on how it was supposed to be built, right? And I think we do an okay job around here trying to equip. I mean, that's, that's been our purpose, and we've known that, but it's very easy to fall into doing. It's hard to deal with people, isn't it? Hey, do it this way, and then they do it the other way. And you're like, isn't it just easier to do it ourselves, Pastor Jared? <laughs> Took real long to answer that. It's easier, but it's not right. So hold me accountable to that. I'll hold you accountable to that. That's like a, it should be an aha moment. I mean, it's not because we know this, but at the same time, do we? Man, that, that kind of thinking can completely change the way we do ministry. It should change the way that church leaders spend their time. It should even change the expectations that are placed on church leadership. You know, some of the reason why pastors end up doing all the time is because the people don't want to do it. Let's just throw some money, pay a salary, and then we, we're off the hook. Ooh, that burns a little bit. At least it should. We've all done that. I've done that. Kind of give somebody else the responsibility to do stuff. Indianola First Assembly has a vision statement, rescue, develop, deploy. Many of you know that. 
And if Ephesians 2.12 is being carried out, then our church leadership, pastoral staff, and the elders should not only be active rescuing those that need rescuing, developing and discipling those that are seeking to go to the next level, and deploying themselves, they should be equipping the saints to rescue, develop, deploy. That's what they should be doing. In this church, when those in church leadership are doing the work of the ministry, they should be equipping others to do the work of the ministry. And you, you could say that equipping really speaks to preparation, preparing the church to be effective. That's, that's what equipping, that's the heart of equipping, preparing the church to be effective. And this could involve, but it's certainly not limited to, uh, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but training the saints. Train them in everything from how to share their faith. And there's people in the church who don't know how to share their faith. There's people in the church who don't know how to pray, training them how to pray, how to run a sound system. A couple of those are spiritual. Some of those are practical, right? How do you run a sound system? We're supposed to do both of those things. Best practices in ministry settings. How to lead a Bible study. Training occurs all across the board. And so we always want to do, some, always want to do better in this area of the church. But, you know, there's a lot of people running cameras today who didn't know anything about running cameras a couple of years ago or even a couple months ago. It's interesting when you have young guys up on the platform even holding cameras, and some of you have noticed them. Most of the time, we, we've tried to train them to be inconspicuous, and they pretty much are. They don't wear loud clothes, right? They wear black, so they're not as noticeable. We're training them to do an important thing. And I don't know about you, but I love it when I'm worshiping and I look up and I see those, those uh those, those shots across the sanctuary with everybody. I mean, I sit in the front row. I don't see y'all behind me. It's nice to see the whole congregation's worshiping sometimes. They're cool shots. I love to see the backside of the drummer drumming, you know? How many like that? It just gets you going. That's, that's just one of those things that adds to our worship experience here, but it takes somebody being trained. Just like it takes someone who, who may never have, I could, well, I could never lead a Bible study. Well, I could never be a pastor of a church in my mind. But maybe you're someone who could be a Bible study leader. You just need a little training. That's what church leadership is for. That's what those giftings are for. Train. Another thing that, that equipping involves could be uh, planning outreaches and different ministries to disciple and help those in the church grow in their faith and planning out ways to get people from point A to point B in their walks with Christ. That's all a part of equipping. Organizing the, the finances could be part of equipping and stewarding them in a way that best promotes the building of the kingdom. You know, there's decisions we make every single uh, week about what missionaries should be coming here and sharing. We gotta get that missionary and we gotta do that because we want you to hear what's going on all across the world and that affects how you give to missions and when missions money comes in, we're able to give it and this little church is, you know, you, you guys know we give a ton of money to missions. 260-some thousand last year to missions. Awesome. I mean, we're, we're supposed to finance and or, or steward our finances in a way that makes us effective in reaching the, the whole world for Christ. And I think we're doing that. Managing the facility, if applicable. Some churches don't have a facility, and that's okay, But because the, but the, the church isn't a building, right? But in this particular place, God has given us this facility, and it's an awesome one. It's huge. Sometimes a little too big, too overwhelming. But he's given us this facility. And by the way, it's been debt-free for 10 years. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. He's given us this facility to facilitate ministry. And we don't need the facility to facilitate ministry, but it sure does help. I love coming in here, and it's air-conditioned in the middle of August. 
you know? It just makes us have the ability to minister more effectively to the masses. Could include mitigating liabilities. You know, that's, a big, that's become a big part of my job as a church leader. And all these things take these gifts to avoid lawsuits as well as keep the church family safe so they can do ministry freely. As we equip people, you know, we set things in place so that they can have a Bible study at their house and if someone slips and falls, you know, they don't get sued. Or if they do, the church insurance pays it. See, there's, there's all these little things that, that come together when, we, when we're a church and we're the body and we come together that help us do ministry more effectively. We're equipping, equipping you to do the work of the ministry. How many want to do the work of the ministry? Okay, I got to roll up my sleeves and take off my coat. And how many want to be a part of the work of the ministry? Oh, I mean, you should. Jesus hung on a cross for six hours for you, and you don't want to work for him? What's your problem? He bled for you, gave his life for you. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get why anybody wouldn't want to just give it all for Jesus. And many of you do. The rest of verse 12 gives us the other responsibility for those that possess a ministry leadership gift. Ephesians 4, 12b, and build up the church, the body of Christ. So we're to equip the church and we're to build up the church. And that phrase, build up, is taken from the original Greek word, oh boy, here we go, oinkadome, oinkadome. It's a great word, oinkadome. Everybody say that, oinkadome. Yeah. And that phrase, it, 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 it means building up. It's a building up. It means to edify or the act one takes in promoting another's growth in Christian wisdom, happiness, and holiness. And, and this involves building them up spiritually and emotionally. It's about aiding and encouraging strength in one's faith. And, and of course, you're already probably thinking this, equipping and building, they overlap all the time. What's one and what's the other? I don't know. Do we have to know? We don't have to compartmentalize everything. But building up would include things like preaching and teaching the word of God. This brings encouragement and vision, whether from the pulpit or through classes that are offered. Uh, offering godly counsel is another one. That's building up the church. Receiving good counsel, by the way, during life's big decisions is really important. There are also those moments that are emotionally difficult. It doesn't hurt to seek out some counsel during those times as well. And if it's something that's beyond us, we'll refer you to somebody who can help you. That's what we're here for, to be not just resource as far as helping you ourselves, but resourcing out where you might need some of those resources. Another thing in building up the church responsibility, this, this plays out in this way, facilitating testimonies of how God still does it. You know, it's very important to me, you've heard me talk about the importance of testimonies, that it, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I think it's so um, important to share what God has done. And God is doing great things all the time. I mean, we've had healings here lately that just, I mean, you guys know, we. It, Blow your mind. Somebody was healed of leukemia. This is getting kind of bad, isn't it? Do I need to switch mics? Somebody was healed of leukemia recently. 
legitimately, doctor verified. Some, somebody was uh, healed of, of stage four cancer. It looks a lot like you, Scott Ely. I mean, that's a healing. That's a healing. And nobody can take credit for that but God. Awesome. Did you hear the report on, on Kaylee? Ginio, is she here today? I don't know if she's here or not. But she just had another MRI, and a glio is not supposed to get smaller. The last two, they did the operation, they took out as much as they could, and that little bit of tumor that's still there has shrunk both times in both MRIs. That doesn't happen. God is doing healings all over the place, and it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see. And to share those testimonies, that encourages and builds up the church, doesn't it? So one of my jobs is to just stand up here and start shouting about good things. You know what happens sometimes, though? Oh, don't share with anybody, but God really healed me the other day. Really? You sure you don't want me to share that? I don't have to share names. God is good. We ought to celebrate every good thing he does. Because it builds up one another. That's part of what the church leadership should be doing, is encouraging those kinds of things, those kind of testimonies. And I think another thing is just calling out the best in people. You know, how many have a good side? One has a good side. How many have a good side? How many have a bad side? Isn't it nice to come to church where not everybody's calling out the bad side all the time, but we call it the good side once in a while? Now, if you come into counseling because your life's a mess, we might point out some bad side things. Say, hey, you might want to work on that, might want to adjust that. But you know what? When you're coming to church on Sunday morning, I, I, I want to call it the best in you. I naturally, and maybe I'm just being too transparent this morning, but I naturally am a person who sees the best in people. And then I became a pastor. And I have to fight that because you always hear the worst. And some, somewhere along the line, it starts changing. But I don't want that to change. My job as a spiritual leader is to call it the best in people. I, I think we, we do that pretty good, but we've got to remind ourselves to keep doing it. Don't we, Pastor Jared? <laughs> That's hard. That's hard sometimes. I mean, Aiden, I like you. Really, I do. You're a good guy. I'm trying to think of something good to say about him. You're faithful, you're loyal. I don't, and just for the sake of this sermon, I'm going to say this. You're one of the best givers in the church at his age. I mean, I know you didn't ask me to say that. And I'm sorry I said it, but I, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm glad I said it. it. It's amazing the kind of people God's placed here. Calling out the best. I think that's part of it, building the church up. Being a sounding board for those in the body of Christ who are frustrated with life. I think that's the job and the role of, of all of those people that are gifted with those ministry gifts, to be that sounding board, to listen. Not always give the advice, but just to listen. Sometimes, you know, people just need to vent, and they're okay after they vent, right? And that's it, church. We, we will get into the specifics of each one of these five leadership ministry gifts next week, but the most important thing is that you realize why God gave them to the church. Why did God give gifts to the church, to church leadership? to equip you, and to build you up. And that means that this idea of paying ministers to take care of the responsibilities that we, are all, we all have as Christians is, is kind of lame. 
We don't, we don't pay leaders or even just give leadership positions even when they are volunteers so that we can usurp our own responsibilities to be a witness for Christ. We are here to build you up and equip you to do the work, not to do it just ourselves. We're all called to be ministers. That means servants. We're all called to serve the Lord and serve one another. Some have been given ministry leadership gifts. And I hope you'll let me know who you are because I could use some help. I'm only 20% of everything. I got, I got nothing on the full, you know, I'm not 80% of anything like some people are. Just because you have a leadership ministry gift doesn't mean you should be a full-time position, but you should be open to it. And if you do sense a calling in your life, you know, we want to be here to help you navigate that. Some of you could be on the mission field within one and a half to two years from this moment, fully funded. Some of you have visions and dreams that God's given you to do ministry, and you just said, well, I, that could never happen in this stage of my life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It can, and we can help you get there. Some of you need to step into your calling and come alongside this mutt of a pastor and uh, let me lean on you and your ministry leadership gift. And, and by the way, the other pastors of this church need that too. Do you know that Pastor Jared and Pastor Donnie and Pastor Amelia, they all need armor bearers, people to help them? Some of you are called to just serve right now, and that's fine. Do it with great joy and allow those that God has placed uh, in leadership over you, let them lead you. Their efforts are to equip and build you up. Why, why, why would you want to reject that? I don't know. And again, I think there are those in here today that maybe just this kind of weird message I just preached kind of all over the place, but maybe you're uh, someone who is called to ministry and you've wondered about it for years and you're just kind of back and forth on it. Come talk to us. In fact, why don't you bow your head right now? Being a part of the body of Christ is much more than just showing up at church on Sundays and then doing your own thing. It's nurturing a relationship with Jesus. Not a religion, but a relationship with Jesus. And letting others that are doing the same thing come around you and you being a part of their life and they're being a part of your life and, and, and growing together as a church family. I gotta ask this this morning. If, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, you might not even know what I'm talking about today. But you can know. First step is just to ask Christ in to be your Lord and Savior, to come into your heart, to give all those controls that you've held on to so tightly, to give those controls over to him, and let him just take over. I don't know about you, but in my life, when I had the controls, I was in wrecks all the time. I could never keep the car on the, on the road. I was always in the ditch. But when Jesus has the wheel of your life, let me tell you something, things go differently doesn't mean life's a bowl of cherries and everything is perfect, but what it does mean is you have a Savior in the driver's seat, and he just takes care of it all, no matter what you go through. 
So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, and you're like, you know what, I, I do. I need this time. I need to, I need to make that decision to, 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 to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Everybody's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Just before you and God, say, yeah, I need a relationship with him. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Is there anybody here like that this morning? very well it's kind of light yeah it's okay all right if you're here this morning and and you raised your hand I'll pray with you we'll pray together in a minute but there are also those of you here this morning that man God's tugged on your heart for years ministry do this you should do this he's put dreams in your heart that you didn't think you ever could achieve because oh I'm just me well, you're looking at somebody this morning. Well, not, you're not looking at them now. Your heads are bowed. But this person before you this morning had the same things in my head. Who am I to ever be a youth worker, a youth leader, a youth pastor? No way. An associate pastor, an executive pastor, a lead pastor? No way. That would never happen to me. I'm the most unlikely candidate. God seems to make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way in your own eyes. And I just want to open that up to you. If that's you this morning, you're like, you know what, I do feel a call in my life that's a little greater than just being a servant within the church. I feel a leadership role. It might mean a full-time kind of ministry position, and it may not. It may just mean you really come alongside pastoral leadership or other leadership in the church, and you, you help support with your ministry giftedness. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I feel that tug. Hands are going up all over, guys. Can I just say, don't be scared of what God might want to do through your ministry and through you in the way of ministry. Don't be afraid of that. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now and we just we give you our lives. And when we say that, we're saying, take over. We're saying, be our Savior, be our Lord. We give you our lives. We ask forgiveness of our sins. We ask you to, to uh, give us a new heart, God, and save us. And whenever we ask that, Lord, you, you do something amazing in us. You change us from the inside out. And God, we experience this thing called being born again. We're, we're saved. We're set free. It's like the lights turn on in our lives and we can see clearly for the first time. But Lord, it doesn't end there. You have so much more for us than just salvation and a little bit of fire insurance so we don't go to hell. God, you've given us purpose and vision and you plan things for us. God, you dream dreams for us. And Lord, as we give our hearts to you, you begin to reveal those dreams over time. And God, I pray right now, if you have people in this room who you are calling to leadership in the church, whether that be vocational or not, God, I pray that you would solidify it in their heart today. You'd take away all fear, all anxiety in regards to that, that they would have no fear in reference to finances in their lives, that they'd put aside all the things they've heard about how horrible the ministry is, and they could see it for what it is, God. It's pure joy. 
even though we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Lord, I ask that you would begin to do a work. Today we do give you our hearts, our lives, our futures. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.